A reading from Anxiety Elephants, a 31-day devotional to help stomp out your anxiety by our very own Karis Snyder. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 34, verse 18. The constant pounding, the constant berating, the constant attacks, the constant stopping. It is a crushing feeling. The anxiety elephants come in undetected by anyone else around you, punching you, pounding you, verbally attacking you. You might look like you are standing tall on the outside, but you are crushed into a million different pieces inside. While all of this is happening, no one knows. No one hears the cries you barely let out. No one feels what you feel. Loneliness is the message anxiety elephants spew out, convincing you no one cares. Is there anyone out there who really understands what you are going through? At my lowest point, this verse cracked the window open to my soul. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I cried because it was as if God himself was reaching down and holding my face between his two gentle hands saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm right here. And I love you. Close your eyes and imagine God is sitting in the room right now. He's beside you and he's doing the same for you. God has more for you. He doesn't want you to be in that place any longer, experiencing pain alone. Jesus came for the sick and hurting, which means you and me. He is near. Open up to him today. The stomp step for today, our action step. Close your eyes, sit or kneel. Your good, good father wants to be the lifter of your head. He is cupping your face in his hands right now and saying, I love you. I really do. Our prayer for today. Father, I need your love today. I need to feel your love today, to sense it in my body, in my being. I am asking you to pull me so close to you. Lift my head, please, Father, help me, and wipe away my tears. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. 
Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. I'm so happy that you have found your way here. With all the myriad of choices of podcasts and opportunities to learn and grow, you've made your way here. I count that as such a privilege and an honor to sit with you for a little while and talk about what matters most to all of us, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our emotional and mental health, which we know in this community leads to every every other area of being healthy in our lives, relational health, spiritual health, bodily health, all things healthy. It's what we're here for. We're here how to learn how to have a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. I was at my physical therapist this week getting a solid review so that I would be able to get on that plane this week and embark to welcome my baby grand boy into the family and into the world. And I was wearing my customized heart lifting converse. Got them in gold to match my book cover when it came out. I know it was a treat to myself. And on those yellow golden converse, on one side is my name engraved and embroidered, Janelle. And on the other side, it says Heartlifter. And she was like, those are so adorable. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Janelle, what is a heart lifter? And I was so challenged and so excited. No one has ever asked me that when they look at my customized converse. And I said, let me tell you, a heart lifter is someone, someone who stands in the center of their universe, the center of their world, their sphere of influence, just like you standing here right now in the center of where you have a significant sphere of influence. You're here with me. I need what you have. I'm so happy to be here with you. And you present to that sphere of influence. You image to them a healthy sense of self, a group of healthy behavior patterns, and a whole lot of healthy communication skills. And she just kind of scratched her head, and I thought, I know, that's a lot to take in. It just means that you show up and shine. You show up and shine through the joy, through the sorrow, through the good, the bad, the ugly. You are so aware and attuned to your presence in this world that you take the time and the energy to be as healthy as you can be in all all the right ways. And we smiled and we had some more conversation. She had some tears. I had some tears. And then we did some PT work. And I just loved it. I loved that we were able to share a moment in her workplace and in my time of need. We connected on a very beautiful, deep level. And I walked out thinking, that's why I'm alive. I'm alive to cross the thresholds of many, many, many different places in life and hopefully be that radiant presence that we talk about. And as it's talked about in Daniel 12, 3, those who are wise will shine like stars in the universe. Those who lead many others on the right way of living, on the right path, will be like the stars in the universe. Well, I wanted, always wanted to be a star. Well, I am a star. I am a shining star in my spheres of influence. And I just hope that you, as a a direct result, 
have learned practices from our time here together on this podcast and in all the other resources and in all the other radiant stars we bring here to have conversations, it is my earnest desire that you will, in fact, be learning new rhythms and new practices in your life so that you can actually experience inside of your body and in your feelings what that feels like to be a radiant presence, to be someone who offers a light into the world. Sometimes it's dimmer than others. We don't walk around like robots. This is not a robotic rhythm that we're learning. We're learning to be real, velveteen rabbit real. And we're learning that love is tough and tender. And we're learning that we must, 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 this is a must, not a should, but a must, spend time in the contemplative practices of stillness, silence, and solitude in order to connect and truly embody that presence. I was listening to a teaching today, and it was so profound to me that many of us live our lives at a capacity of 50% awareness. And he even continued to say, many of us are at 25% awareness. Never thought of it this way, that there is actually a barometer. There's actually a, a measuring stick to ask ourselves, how am I showing up in my life? Am I at 5% awareness today? Am I at 10% attunement? Am I just listening to someone else talk like that television commercial where the parents talking blah, 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 and that's what the kid's hearing? Or am I at 90% capacity of attunement and awareness today and presence? Or am I truly 100%? And of course, he was encouraging and admonishing that 100%. But that is a practice that we have to willingly discipline and participate in every day. That's why this series is called the Everyday Series, the gift, the gift of every day. I needed to hone down, to streamline, to pull back the curtains of my life and really examine my 24 hours a day presence. About eight of those are spent sleeping on a good day. And so really it's about a 16 hour presence. So I challenge you. I was challenged to create a quiz, actually, that might help me and you identify the capacity that we're operating at in our presence. So I was really challenged by that conversation. So I'll be working and developing that in the near future. But I ask you today, where are you? We're continuing our conversation today on everyday, everyday anxiety elephants, part two. We listen to the beautiful remarkable radiant star Karis Snyder share her story last time and read from her great tween devotionals called Anxiety Elephants. She also has one for us grown-ups, Anxiety Elephants, a 31-day devotional and to stomp out your anxiety. It's available on Amazon, but you can go. I failed to give you that connecting point to Karis last time. It's in the show notes and all over the social media graphics. But for you right now, it's Karis Snyder, C-A-R-I-S-S-N-I-D-E-R.com. Everything you need is there. She has an incredible four-week course, deep dive into these elephants of anxiety 
and lots of other beautiful free resources. She's a heart lifter. And this week I had really been thinking about, um, because I am examining my daily life, I am examining my core. And I am trying, once again, as we talked about a few weeks ago, where does my voice belong in this season of my life? We have seasons. We have different identities that we actually move through. We have one core sense of self. But as we move through life, we can't hold on too tightly to any one fixed understanding of who we are because we're always learning and growing and evolving, at least in this community we are. We are not ones who wear a fixed mindset. We are committed to a growth mindset. So we are going to be experiencing a chronic state of growth in our life. That's good. That's healthy. But it can also be maddening and frightening and confusing and disorienting. So we embrace all the movements of transformation. But we know, what we do know, is that deep rhythm, those deep spiritual practices of contemplative silence, solitude, centering prayer, meditation, that that practice doesn't change in the sense that we're going to be doing it every day. We have to set aside time, five minutes, 10, 20, four hours, however much you deem fit for your own life, we must set aside that practice. So the overarching theme of our season, this season 10, is to really grasp and really grapple with how can I set time aside Every single day, okay, we're not, we're not imprisoned to that because there will, there will be days where we are top to bottom filled with caring for others or emergencies emerge or we get, you know, illnesses come, etc. But it, it is an intention that we hold in our heart that even amidst that really circus wheel Ferris wheel of activities at times, we can find a still axis inside of ourselves, even amidst all of that. So season 10, we're being very, very intentional about the secret place, about the quiet rhythms that we really need in our lives so that we can be more present, more attuned, And that produces more joy and more peace. And the deepest affect is contentment. Okay, how's that for a review? (laughs) I needed the review, so I thought maybe you would. I read this little excerpt this week from a book called How to Do Nothing. (laughs) This is my growth point. It's my husband's growth point. We're such doers. We are such overachievers, achieve, achieve. Okay, that's not all healthy. We know that. So how to do nothing is always a permission slip I have to write for myself. It's probably why I take up knitting, because at least when I'm knitting, I can still listen and meditate. And then sometimes I go, Janelle, put down the knitting, because you're still doing something instead of just being present. But the subtitle of this book is Resisting the Attention Economy. Yeah. 
resisting the attention economy. It took me a breath or two to kind of go, what does that mean? And then I went, oh, yeah, I get it. The attention economy. I noted, because I do note these things as an author, that she has almost 2,500 ratings, on Amazon ratings on this book and reviews, which just means this is a much-needed book. Uh, the author, Jenny O'Dell, writes this, Nothing is harder to do than nothing. In a world where our value is determined by our productivity, many of us find our every last minute captured optimized, or appropriated as a financial resource by the technologies we use daily. We submit our free time to numerical evaluation, interact with algorithmic versions of each other, and build and maintain personal brands. For some, there may be a kind of engineer's satisfaction in the streamlining and networking of our entire lived experience. (laughs) And yet a certain nervous feeling of being overstimulated and unable to sustain a train of thought lingers. I'm going to read that again. And yet a certain nervous feeling of being overstimulated and unable to sustain a train of thought lingers. Though it can be hard to grasp before it disappears behind the screen of distraction, this feeling is in fact urgent. We still recognize that much of what gives one's life meaning stems from accidents, interruptions, and serendipitous encounters, the off time that a mechanistic view of experience seeks to eliminate. Oh, I just wanted to chew every morsel of this excerpt. And I wonder if like me, you too get that certain nervous feeling of being overstimulated and unable to sustain a train of thought. I sincerely find myself unable to sustain that train of thought so many times throughout my day. And I know that I know with 1000% certainty it is because of the digital distractions that I now hold in my right hand or look at on my computer or listen when I have an iPad. I'm just chronically, chronically distracted. Also, she adds that this does add to our everyday anxiety elephants. So I wanted to review today because we we didn't, in my time with Karis, really give anxiety symptoms. So I really want to make sure we do that. I'm sure you all know them, but I think because we are taking an examine of our everyday life, it's important to review them. So here are some typical anxiety symptoms. A headache, a pounding headache can just suddenly come on, a stomach ache. Typically when I get am presented with something that triggers me into anxiety, I go right away into a very, very anxious, nervous stomach. It hits my gut. Dizziness, a rapid heart rate, feeling breathless, insomnia. Yes, anxiety elephants will keep us up at night. Sweaty palms, uncontrollable outburst of anger or sadness, fear, 
constant worry, fidgeting, not able to get your words out. Yeah, I've found myself there lately and I think, okay, I know I'm aging, but I'll fumble over my words if I have spent too much time scrolling. I can tell that that has a certain effect on my optical system my, that links to my brain, slows down my cognition. And difficulty concentrating, adding to that, at school sports activities. I also wanted to present the five major types of anxiety disorders. So there is a true difference between daily anxieties and chronic anxiety and then an anxiety disorder. Now, I am not a psychiatrist, nor am I a clinical psychologist, so I preference this whole entire conversation if any of this brings you to a state of, wow, I think I need to get this checked out. Please first see your primary care physician and go from there to see if there is further care needed. I want you to be well cared for. And that begins with noticing, right? That begins with you taking a self-examination of your the state of your soul and your mind and your heart and your body. Five major types of anxiety disorders are generalized anxiety disorder. So this is an anxiety disorder characterized by chronic anxiety, exaggerated worry and tension, even when there is little or nothing to provoke it. So this is your nervous system. If you're looking at that window of tolerance, it's living in in a hyper-exaggerated state. You can't stop worrying. It's chronic. Second, obsessive-compulsive disorder, which we know as OCD. This is an anxiety disorder, and it's characterized by recurrent, unwanted thoughts, obsessions. They're, They're like a whole herd of elephants going through your brain. Or repetitive behaviors, so that's the compulsive side. You walk by a rug and you have to straighten out all the tassels. You know, every picture in the house has to be exactly, you know, in alignment. Repetitive behaviors such as hand washing, counting, checking, cleaning are often performed with the hope of preventing obsessive thoughts or making them go away. Performing these so-called rituals, however, provides only temporary relief and not performing them markedly increases your anxiety. Panic disorder is our third major type of anxiety disorders. It's an anxiety disorder characterized by unexpected and repeated episodes of intense fear accompanied by the physical symptoms that may include chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, dizziness, or abdominal distress. So it hits all three of our brains, our our true brain, our heart center brain, and our gut brain. You feel as if you're having a heart attack. It presents like a heart attack. And more than likely, if you're listening and you've experienced one, you've gone to the ER because you do, in fact, think, I am dying. I'm going to, I'm having a heart attack. It feels that heavy. It is a huge African elephant sitting on your chest and pounding and stomping in your brain. 
Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is our fourth type. This can develop after exposure to a terrifying event or ordeal in which grave physical harm occurred or was threatened. Traumatic events that may trigger PTSD include violent personal assault, natural or human-caused disasters, accidents, military combat, combat. There is now also a complex PTS disorder. It has a little C hyphen in front of PTSD. I have a, a beautiful friend who a tornado rampaged through their house, their home, and uh, she was left with a PTSD and had to do some serious memory reconsolidation and trauma work, trauma-informed work, which is the work I do with the uh, Therapeutic Grade Essential Oils. I have never seen a tool you be used that is so effective with trauma and memory reconsolidation as aroma freedom technique. And the technique within aroma freedom that specifically is targeted to helping trauma is called TMRT, Trauma Memory Reconsolidation Technique. I've used it hundreds of times, if not going into the thousands by now, and have seen these strategically formulated, highly, highly grade essential oils used to take all of that trauma that's in the amygdala and consolidate it, make peace and sense with it, make un- understand it, and then have it move into the hippocampus, which is the filing cabinet, the mental filing cabinet in your brain, in your limbic system, where it just gets filed under your, your history. And you are no longer triggered by that uh, trauma that's been hiding away in your fight, flight, freeze, fawn area of your brain. If you want to know more about that, you know how to connect with me. Let's talk about setting up a clearing for you, a time for you to process and consolidate any memories that that tr- that are triggered in your life. Because I'm telling you what, freedom will look so good on you. Freedom feels so good to no longer be triggered by something or tripped by something that has been tripping you your whole entire life is just so satisfying. It's so satisfying. If you want to learn more, please reach out to me. Our fifth anxiety disorder is a social phobia or social anxiety disorder. This is characterized by overwhelming anxiety and excessive self-consciousness in everyday social situations. Social phobia can be limited to only one type of situation, such as the fear of speaking, which we know is the number one phobia, informal or informal situations, or eating and drinking in front of others, or in its most severe form, may be so broad that a person experiences symptoms almost any time they are around other people. Now, I don't have a social phobia in the sense, but I'm highly sensitive and highly intuitive. And now that I am aware that that actually has a name, when I go into any social environment with other people, I would get very anxious because I would I can feel the emotional or mental state most of the time of other people that are in the room. 
And so I've done a great deal of work and study myself on how to turn the temperature down in myself so that I'm not being uh, uncaring or I'm not being rude or mean, but I am managing this God-given gift, I believe, that God gave to me to do the work that I do. I couldn't do the work that I do if I wasn't intuitive, if I wasn't highly sensitive. And so there is a time and a place, as we have learned and talked about in Ecclesiastes 3, as it says, there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a suitable time. Well, every time I cross the threshold of a social environment, it's not the time for me to be highly sensitive and highly intuitive. So we can learn how to manage this herd of anxiety elephants that want to come in and stomp all over our life. We can. We can use the tool of emotion regulation that we certainly have in our toolbox here in this community. If you do not know what that is, I urge you, please pick up a copy of Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. Hop over to JanelleRairden.com or Amazon and order it right now. Get it on your Kindle so that you can read and understand how to implement the capacity of emotion regulation, the capacity to control your emotions and not have your emotions control you. Another beautiful way that we can learn and implement the power of emotion regulation in our life is by activating our five God-given senses, sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. We have learned, we possess, Heartlifters, the knowledge that those deeper little t, middle t, big t traumas, those emotions that are too big for our body, that overwhelm us and send us into that hyper, hyper sense, right, of nervousness and anxiety are only primarily controlled by our senses. We have to activate our senses in order to manage and regulate any state of overwhelm that we find ourselves in. So we have to get curious. We have to ask ourselves, How can I add to my everyday life more sensory experiences? One of the greatest tools is through mindfulness. Another I'm just going to briefly introduce today, and then we'll talk more about it later, is something C.S. Lewis coined as baptized imagination. In a beautiful article written by Jennifer Nahart on her blog, she writes, in 1916, When C.S. Lewis was 18 and still an atheist, he bought and read George MacDonald's Fantasies, a fairy romance for men and women. He writes about this in his spiritual autobiography, Surprised by Joy. That night, my imagination was, in a certain sense, baptized. The rest of me, not unnaturally, took longer. I had not the faintest notion what I had let myself in for by buying fantasies. Years before he intellectually believed in Christianity and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he says his imagination was baptized by this book. 
Just let that sink in for a minute. When I first read this concept of baptized imagination, it was about a year ago, maybe, and I was developing uh, the Bible study that I'm currently still working on, and I thought, what is this? She writes, C.S. Lewis, certainly all of his writings baptized my imagination, just like Madeline Ingalls' work, especially Wrinkle in Time. She writes, I first read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as an assignment for school in the second grade. I loved it so much that my mom and dad told me there were six more books in the series, and they had them, and I could read them. I was so excited. I've read and reread those books over and over again since. Interestingly enough, I made the decision to be baptized a couple of years later when I was in the fourth grade. Love it. So perhaps Narnia and Aslan really did prepare my heart in ways I wasn't even aware of. In this article, which I will put in the show notes, she continues to say how C.S. Lewis's fiction helped bridge the gap between her head and her heart via the imagination. So you know, in Stronger Every Day, I propose that the longest journey in our life is from our our head to our heart. But post-writing Stronger Every Day, I've now discovered this beautiful concept of baptized imagination. And so now I'm adding that in that journey takes place. It actually takes place quicker if we add baptized imagination. So just visualize that with me. We have our head. Now that journey, we're going to take that journey by baptizing our imagination through being immersed in the five senses, in sensory imagery, sensory everything, sensory eating, sensory living, mindfulness, meditation, and we're going to then connect into our heart. She writes this beautiful excerpt from C.S. Lewis's book, Sometimes fairy stories may say best what's to be said. I thought I saw how stories of this kind could steal past a certain inhibition which had paralyzed much of my own religion in childhood. Why did one find it so hard to feel as one was told one ought to feel about God or the sufferings of Christ? I thought the chief reason was that one was told one ought to. An obligation to feel can freeze feelings. Okay. This is our lean-in, our teach-in. <laughs> lean-in, teach-in moment. An obligation to feel can freeze feelings. Just let that, let that settle. And reverence itself did harm. The whole subject was associated with lowered voices, almost as if it were something medical. Lowered voices. This language is so new to me, and I, I'm guessing it could be new to you. Baptize my imagination? Janelle, are you going off the deep end? Yeah, I kind of am. I'm going off the deep end, swimming in the deep waters of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the, the stories, that it was the movie, actually, that ignited my imagination and baptized my imagination was the shack. It's the final scene of the shack. Agree with me or not agree with me on the content of the shack. If you've watched the movie and you just watched the very last scene, oh my goodness. 
But supposing, she continues, that by casting all these things into an imaginary world, stripping them of their stained glass and Sunday school associations, one could make them for the first time appear in their real potency. Could one not thus steal past those watchful dragons? I thought one could. So powerful. So we're going to be igniting a discussion on baptized imagination and adding that into our journey from our head to our hearts. But for today, I just want you to think about it. I want you to think about, is there anywhere in your emotional life and anywhere in your spiritual life where you feel like a system or oughts and shoulds have stomped out your deep, beautiful sense of aliveness, of waking up every morning to a wide awake life, to being present. Where are you today? Are you 25% attuned to your life, to your presence? Are you numb when you're walking through your day? Goodness gracious, I am. I am speaking to my own heart here. And out of a desperate state, I want to be fully alive. I want to be Mary in the secret garden who wakes up and is wider awake to life than she's ever been before. So I'm going to close today with that invitation to you to just consider. Would you just consider with me, how can I baptize my my imagination? How can I make myself more alive to life than I've ever been? Can I begin considering how am I using my senses through the day? Am I taking a walk and listening to the wind and looking at the trees that are now releasing their leaves in this season of fall that we're in here, at least in the States? How can I do this? Well, I am turning to a master of the igniting of our imagination, John O'Donohue in his book, The Invisible Embrace Beauty. Beauty, rediscovering the true sources of compassion, serenity, and hope. And he writes, a real narrative is a web of alternating possibilities. The imagination is capable of kindness that the mind often lacks because it works naturally from the world of between. We will call that liminal space. It does not engage things in a cold, clear-cut way but always searches for the hidden worlds that wait at the edge of things. The mind tends to see things in a singularly simple, divided way. There's good and bad, ugly and beautiful. The imagination, in contrast, extends a greater hospitality to whatever is awkward, paradoxical, or contradictory. The German philosopher Hans-Georg Gadamer, in an interview shortly before his death, said, The integrity of a society demonstrates itself in how that society engages with contradiction. The imagination is both fascinated and stimulated by the presences that cluster within a contradiction. I'm going to stop here because when I read this, I added into my own mental state. I said to myself, Is this perhaps the missing link 
is baptized imagination, is accessing my imagination as a gift from God in my prayer life, in my reading of the word, in my contemplative practices, is that what's missing? I've been so stoic and so programmed uh, by, as C.S. Lewis says, is the good hearted. Oh my goodness, the good. I was a Sunday school teacher in a church that had stained glass windows. That's not the problem. The problem is the oughts, the shoulds. Have I been imprisoned by a system of thinking, a way of being, you know, that might be as pharisaical as the system that Jesus encountered? It's just a thought. It's just an invitation. Because I believe that Jesus taught from his baptized imagination. He taught in riddles, didn't he? He taught in parables. He taught in story. He made people think and use their imagination to be able to decipher and discern what he was actually trying to teach them. He wanted to activate them and their imagination. So I've thought, is that why I've been stuck? Because my prayer life doesn't add up or doesn't measure? I'm not getting the responses? It's just a question, Heartlifters. O'Donohue continues, The imagination is always more loyal to the deeper unity of everything. It's the imagination, I add, that dives into the deep end. I believe it's Ezekiel's prophecy, his, his vision that he had that, you know, are you going into the water ankle deep, knee deep, thigh deep? Are you immersing completely into the water of the depths of the spirit? Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not immune to being wrong. He also says that the imagination has patience with contradiction because there it glimpses new possibilities. And the imagination is the great friend of possibility. It always sees beyond facts and situations to the cluster of possibilities in which each thing is shrouded. In a sense, this is what beauty is, possibility that enlarges and delights the heart. Nothing opens up the mind like the glimpse of new possibility. When everything has become locked inside a dead perspective, we could say stuck here, right? And the consensus is that a cul-de-sac has been reached. New possibility is an igniting spark. Woo, that is so good. So I'm closing here. I am inviting you. I'm getting passionate as I teach in my life coaching online college course. You can tell your passion because you start to get an elevated volume of voice. Well, here I am. I'm here to invoke the beautiful question that our dear Kurt Thompson says to us. What is the next most beautiful thing you want to create in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your relationship with God? Ignite your beautiful imagination, Heartlifter, today. Maybe take a moment and just sit down with a piece of paper, put a little web in the middle, a circle, put yourself, put your name, and then just say, what do I want my life to look like in this season? Where does my voice belong in this season? 
Think big, dream big. That's what I'm doing in my life right now. It's exactly what I'm doing because I was challenged two weeks ago by a beautiful woman. And she said, Janelle, what do you want your life to look like? I said, I don't have permission to do that. God's in control of my life. She said, "You, God lives in you. Christ lives in you. When you're seeking and searching him, those desires meet at the middle. Okay. So meet me over on Instagram, please. I want to hear from you. And be sure to leave a review of the podcast, please, because it enhances and enlarges our sphere of influence. And that's what we want. And stay tuned because I am creating that space and place for us to actually meet and and talk and communicate in a much simpler way than we have been able to do in the past. I'm thinking of you, Heartlifter. So grateful for you. Stomp out some anxiety elephants in your life this week. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.